Welcome back. It's another edition of the Charlotte Soccer Show. Let's just right off the bat talk about which beers we're drinking today, friends. John, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking a Wicked Weed. It's a new brew that you're sharing and enjoying as well, right? Special brew, uh, just in honor of Charlotte Football Club. It's the Wicked Weed Queen's Crusher. And uh, it tastes pretty delicious. It's a uh, IPA, which uh, IPA is not my main style of beer. I usually prefer an amber. It's a little hazy, too. Yeah, I, I like a hazy. When I do go IPA, I like hazy. And there's tons of IPAs in Charlotte. It feels like every brewery around North Carolina has about six different IPAs. So this is a good one. And I love the fact that it was brewed in honor of our new club. and. Uh, Coming straight from the mountain waters of Asheville, the Wicked Weed Brewery, one of my uh, favorites in the state, and uh, couldn't be happier to be sharing this new brew with you today, man. We're going to cheers to a couple things today. First and foremost, our, our trip to D.C. over the weekend, and an epic trip up to watch the first ever match of Charlotte Football Club, a historic night. Magical night. We're going to do some great storytelling about our trip there. Uh, we're going to discuss our match takeaways here on Match Week 2. Match Week 2 is here. That's the best part about this season. When it starts, it's fast and furious. And the Charlotte Soccer Show is where you can get all your up-to-date content on this new franchise, all the information you need as this roster starts to come together. We're and gonna, fun. Yes, and fun too. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about our match takeaways. We're going to talk about some player ratings as well. Uh, Carol Swiderski. Absent from Saturday night's match in D.C., he will be on the pitch, presumably on the pitch. He will be in the building 100% sure of that. Will he be on the pitch? We'll discuss that as well. And what does this mean for the squad overall? Based on Miguel Angel Ramirez's tactical formation on Saturday night against D.C., how does that change? And we're going to be back later in the week with another episode, specifically previewing this match against L.A. Galaxy. But let's start with some, some fun storytelling. DC was awesome on Saturday. What a magical night, John. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, we drove up there, uh, yourself, your wife, myself, uh, and then we met a couple of your family members there and just had uh, a blast in the nation's capital. We had uh, beers at a local brewery called Blue Jacket. They said it was the second, second microbrewery that had ever opened in DC. I, I, had, a, I had a toasted lager at Blue Jacket, it was 8%. And it was how I started my Saturday. I got, I got two 8%ers in me. Because you know, we started, it was like the, the kickoff time was 6.08 officially. Yep. And we, we met up around 3 p.m. So we had a, a nice three-hour window to lube ourselves up and, and yep. get ready for the match. So I figured I would just start with a really solid base. Yeah, and 8% those, is a good percent. Those toasted lagers, two of them, just it was perfect to start the day. So that's how it started. We continued to pre-party. You know, we got there, uh, marched into the stadium, uh, took in a great... You forgot meal. our other stop. We hit another brewery on the way. We got two breweries in under our belts. Solace, of course. Yeah, I didn't mean to leave Solace out. My fault. Yeah, Solace right. was great as well, right there on the waterfront. Uh, about a mile from the stadium, that's where we posted up, you know, with uh, an hour to go to the match. Met up with some people, it was a good vibe. There were DC fans, they were packing in, and we were getting a lot of compliments. They were saluting Charlotte. It was pretty cool how they, uh, one guy walked by and goes, ah, fuck Charlotte FC, and then he turned around and goes, you guys' kids look pretty cool though, man. Yeah, for sure, so. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of respect. It, it felt like, it felt like a, a match against the squad here in our conference that, 
they were being nice because they're like, oh, here's the new guys, and in the back of our mind, we're like, we're we're here to win. Just so right. you know, we're not we're not just right. we're not we're not just satisfied because of the kickoff and this being the first ever game, and everybody knows the score. It almost I've told people that the scoreline was almost irrelevant in terms of the magic of the night and how much fun we had, like watching our club debut and and put on a good performance. The scoreline was deceiving. It was it was irrelevant and misleading at the same exact time because. We put in a much better performance than than a three 0 scoreline would seem to indicate, and there's no Charlotte fan that didn't walk out of there with their head held high, in my opinion. CLT FC fans showed up in huge numbers. There, there were tweets from the the national media that cover MLS there on site that said it was the largest ever traveling away section that they have maybe ever seen at so four, Audi Field. Four hundred some people packed up in that corner. I would argue more than four hundred. Yeah, well, that's the estimate I saw. Yeah, so maybe yeah, my fault. I would, I would even I say, read, yeah, don't yeah. read, don't believe everything <laughs> yeah. you read. Should have used my eyes. I would argue it's double that. I would say there was eight hundred at least it, for the amount of people when we checked into our hotel. Charlotte FC kits on at the hotel. Mm-hmm. When we went to both breweries, Charlotte yep. FC kits everywhere. 100%. When we got into the stadium, a corner of the stadium full. There was at least a thousand Charlotte FC fans yep. at that game. Flags waving. DC was waving their flags in their supporter section. Our guys were waving their flags just as furiously, and it was great to see. You know, I, I, I'm very encouraged for what we're going to see next Saturday. Not to get too ahead of myself, but the fans showed out, and that we've showed that we have built a real fan base for this club. The excitement is unf- un- incredible. I've got to call DC United fans out for a couple things. Please do. Number one is the Tifo was borderline embarrassing. <laughs> the TIFO that you're going to see at Bank of America Stadium on Saturday night is going to be epic. We've seen him working on it on Twitter. Yes, we have. The TIFO at Audi Field was like, eh, might have been better off if you just kind of kept that one in your back pocket. Um, Great call. And the, the second thing I, I want to call DC United fans out about is how... The stadium, let's be real, it was like 30% empty. A lot of empty seats, 100%. Behind the benches, the the section behind the benches, I saw dots of red and and really swaths of red for sure. Yeah. The the seats were colored red. Correct. And as someone who's looked into tickets, checked out the stadium, we sat on the sideline away from the coaching boxes about between the 18-yard box and midfield, 13 rows up. Great freaking view of the game. And that's why when you looked across, I think you know where we sat, the section was, was pretty full. There was a lot of fans there. Not, not super lit with energy. I think you and I were maybe probably two of the most interested people in our section in that match. Right. We were, we were going nuts. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk in just a sec. We'll get to our goal that wasn't in just a moment, but... We were engaged, we were locked in, and it was more... But I did give... I felt like it was casual fans who at least did know a little bit about their team. They weren't idiots, but they were not really fired up. You know, they they enjoyed their goals, and they really did... Uh, Estrada, their new signing, put two past us. Like, they celebrated him, they celebrated Al Kamara when he subbed in, you know, their leading goal scorer from the previous year. But they weren't super engaged with, you know, like the uh, any of the other newer players on the team, and they weren't, you know... They, the fact is, DC didn't have the ball. We had the ball most of the time, so there wasn't as a ton for them to engage with. They, that's what I kept yelling. I was like, get the ball, DC, come on. I, I, was, he- I, was, you know, I was trying not to be a jerk or anything, but I was you know, good-naturedly heckling because it was fun because 
they weren't that lively. They weren't they weren't getting after it. We 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 owned our section as as a, a one row of Charlotte fans in the middle of a pretty full section of DC. Think about it this way: there was 17,000 people at the match, and this coming Saturday against LA Galaxy, there's going to be seventy five thousand people at the match. So. Do the math there. It's not hard. It's a lot more. And one last thing I'll, I'll chime in in regards to the D.C. United experience is that considering this is a show where we always give a shout-out to the beer that we're drinking, and typically it's a draft beer, when I made a halftime beer run, this was like the craziest thing I've ever seen, truthfully, at a sporting event. They had a, a draft beer set up behind the net field level really cool place go get a couple drafts i had senate beer on draft when i was there you still see the game a little bit exactly yeah yeah. and at halftime the lines were like loaded and everywhere in the stadium i was like oh man it's gonna be a while to get a beer i'm probably not gonna be able to get back up there before the second half and everybody was just drinking like tall boy beers out of the can from the concessions and when i and my cousin we went up to the draft beer section there was literally not one person in line <laughs> times are tough in dc all over man <laughs> they got no culture up there i guess who I, knows i was happy with this, <laughs> yeah, this situation yeah, i was like great yeah. here we, uh, i thought i was gonna be down here and miss the first 10 minutes of the second half and in fact i got four or five beers brought it back up to our seats and just sat there and was able to chat for a while. It was great. Before the second half started. You brought me in here and I appreciated it. So, I just wanted to get that on the record as well. We had a great time, though, and thank you for the hospitality, DC fans. But, hey. Let's get to the game itself. We need to get into the game itself. We really have been dying to get to this moment that we've been waiting for ever since the franchise launched, which was our first goal. And we got one, but what did you label it, John? The goal that wasn't. And The goal that wasn't. It was an epic moment in that stadium. Mm. Like, seriously. We're, we're jumping out of our seats. Mm-hmm. We're hugging each other. Mm-hmm. Because you heard us on the podcast. We didn't, we didn't expect a goal. Maybe I thought we could yeah. get a PK. But yeah. when T.T. Ortiz... I predicted nil-nil. Exactly. When T.T. Ortiz... I predicted 1-1. When T.T. Ortiz got into the box on an Alan Franco chip, and chip. he went after the ball with right. such right. passion, with such right. energy. It was go for broke. He was getting he, his head he on that ball. He jumped right into a center back and a goalkeeper who's one of the uh, larger dudes on the field. And he's one of the smaller dudes on the field. He didn't care. He got a header in. And he got a header past him. And he scored. And it sucks that he was, you know, about a foot and a half offside. We're not questioning the call whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, it didn't look to us offside in the moment. It, it, it was not obvious from where we were. And correct. So we went nuts. And I just remember, John, as soon as it went in, just this thing hit me of all this anticipation that had been building for this club and this franchise and this game. And I, you were next to me. I freaking hugged you for about 15 seconds. I was silent. <laughs> and then I just kind of let go. And I looked around at all the DC fans around me. And I just screamed. And I just said, yeah. And I just, like... And it wasn't like at anybody, it wasn't mean-spirited, but it was just like this release of energy that I just like threw out there in the universe with this like intense, intense scream. So happy. I'd been pre-parting clearly, but then I look up to my right and I see Jiminy Christmas up here in full DC gear. Yeah, he knew. And he goes, it's offside. Yeah. 
it's offside. It's fine. And I was like, <laughs> the way I, he the way he said it, we knew he was right. By yeah, the way. yeah, yeah. And I just like, well, I made an ass of myself <laughs> screaming at all these DC fans, but I didn't care because it was such a good release energy. It felt fantastic. It did. It it felt great. And and here is I think an opportunity for us early in our podcast experience on the Charlotte Soccer Show. And by the way, we've picked up a ton of new listeners over the last couple weeks, and thank you for being here. I really mm-hmm. hope that you enjoy the show. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Hayes on Air. You can follow Danny Brams, at Danny Brams as well. Connect with us there. Um, I'm in the Mint City Collective Slack channel as well. Brams is there too. If you want to DM us, yep. DM us there. Or, um, we have takes. We do have takes. Well. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you know the show, so we, we, certainly have, we certainly have takes. But this kicks off the Charlotte FC season, the history of the franchise, with a VAR decision. Yeah, right, right. The it's AR, almost poetic the to AR, me. They are screwing <laughs> us already. Wow. It's so po- poetic based yeah. on, you know, we've, we watch the Premier League religiously, by the way. We watch the Champions League religiously. I watch the FA Cup religiously. It's my favorite competition in soccer, which, by the way, this weekend's an FA Cup weekend. I'm going to enjoy that before the match on Saturday night up against LA Galaxy. VAR has been such a talking point in global soccer over the last two years. It just feels so poetic. We've heard so many times across the Atlantic about how VAR has taken away from goal celebrations. Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're not, never not really sure. Right. And I just described that phenomenon. We experienced <laughs> it. Like, yeah. this is yeah. like, we yeah. literally experienced yeah. that yeah. 10 minutes in mm-hmm. to the first match. So, like, if this had been 20 years ago, my celebration would have been uh, correct and I would have been a lot less drunk. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, it's a new phenomenon. And VAR is something that we're going to have to deal with. And by the way, and, and I'm not going to dwell on officiating on this podcast, but. It felt a little subpar on Saturday right. night. Yeah, I mean, that decision was not incorrect at all, but overall the referee was pretty bad in terms of who was getting booked, what fouls were being allowed. There was an incident early in the second half between uh, Guzman Carujo and... Uh, Estrada. Uh, Estrada. Uh, and, uh, oh, excuse me, not early in the second half, right at the end of the first half, excuse me, which like caused all, all the problems that eventually led to his second goal. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that the refereeing wasn't really in good control of the match for sure, so... What can you do? But uh, we gave up three goals. None of them were particularly that great. You know, a handball goal that was semi-questionable. If you've seen some free streams of that on social media, I think there's a case to be made that that was kind of a weird thing that maybe VR, VAR could have gone the other way for, for us on that too. So VAR is just basically part of our foundational myth at this point. It took, took away a goal yep. uh, and, gave, and refused to take a goal against us. Uh, the second goal was just bad. What did you think about the team, the way they were playing at the end of the first half when it's stopped or injury time and uh, we had been possessing the ball the entire first half, we're down 1-0, and they, they passed up several, our guys are just passing up chances to attack. There are too many back passes in those final few minutes, and then all of a sudden we lose possession and we give up a goal. The ironic thing is the, re- the goal happened in extra time because of the initial VAR decision. <laughs> The initial VAR decision on the goal 
and the, its disallowance took about five minutes. Right. And the second goal happened in about the fourth minute <laughs> yeah, of was, extra time in the yeah. first half. And the guys so not just, only did you get fucked because of, of the offside, you got fucked on the back end because you were still out there playing because right. it took them five minutes right. to disallow the goal when we, it should have taken a minute. We were looking at each other in that extra time just like, oh, the whistle, you know? Right. And like, and, and like uh, it was back, and we just... There were a couple spots where like, oh, make the pass, make the pass. And uh, instead they went back pass and then eventually, you know, uh, a dicey ball into the box and, you know, really poor play, I think, from Joe Mora who headed it back towards the middle, you know, and then it ends up right at the foot of Estrada and he, you know, deflection obviously off Fuchs's back, but... Uh, but still a nice hit. Yeah, nice hit. Who knows? It was so... The deflection was so close to the initial kick, who knows where that ball was actually heading. It seemed on target at the very it least. It did, yes. And... The header from Mora is, is what caused us the problem there. You got to head that back outside. I, I'm not some soccer expert, but I mean, what do you think? Like heading a ball back to the middle, like that. It's the cardinal sin. Yeah. For someone who plays on the outside, mm. it's like either over towards the sideline, out towards the midfield. Right. It's not back towards the box. There's one place where mm-hmm. you can't put it, and he put when it the there. The team is sweeping up against you at the end of the half. You know. Like, yeah. 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 Crazy. And, and so so. We're going to get into our player ratings, talk about people we liked, who we didn't. And right off the bat, Brams and I agree that Joseph Mora was probably our underperformer of the game, considering who is behind him. I know that you have extra thoughts on that, but there's one thing that I do want to um, get into before we go player by player, and it's overall team performance, right? We've talked about the VAR decisions. We've talked about the scoreline. We've talked about how ultimately – it's a disappointing experience for Charlotte FC in its first match. But sitting here today on Monday, my gut feeling is the same that it was in the 78th minute when we were down 3-0. It's that, that this team played well. 100%. And sometimes the scoreline in soccer is unfair. It's unlucky. You said it earlier, it doesn't represent the match. Miguel Angel Ramirez, we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about the tactical formation. We're going to talk about what we liked when it comes to... If you watch this match, if you're a casual fan, you see 3-0, you say, man, they must have sucked. Guess what? Easy, low-hanging fruit for a lot of uh, people that want to criticize us to go to. His team did not suck on Saturday night. We won't accept it. And we're going to be back right after this. We're going to tell you exactly why. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. Live here at Big Ben Pub in Elizabeth. Hanging out. Cheers. It's match week two. First home match on Saturday night. We can't wait. We're back after this. Welcome back. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. We're hanging out at Big Ben Pub in Elizabeth, right down the road from from Hooligans, Elizabeth. Which this is our home away from home, away from home. Anytime you hear us doing a podcast and we're not at Hooligans, Elizabeth, it's because of one reason. Hooligans, Elizabeth is not open. <laughs> That's, that is correct. That is correct. So we'll be back there later this week to record our official preview pod for match week number two, the home opener against LA Galaxy. It's going to be epic. Everybody that I know in Charlotte, 
has sent me a text. Hey, you going to the match? What's right. the plan? Where's the tailgate? Yep. This is going to be a Panthers game on steroids. Right. I think casual fans have no idea what to expect. The sh- you're going to be in the supporters. Have, have the Panthers sold out Bank of America in, in the last couple of years? I'm not sure if we have since uh, the Super Bowl run, to be honest. So we'll see. This is going to be a sold-out arena. I mean, they've already confirmed 70,000 ticket sales, which as long as that comes through, that would be a new MLS record for a uh, first home match. I think they'll get to the 75, no problem. So, uh, yeah, the tailgates will be insane. Uh, I'll be in the supporters group, and I can't uh, – it's going to be wild. I had a friend coming in from Raleigh who's really into this. It's all the Carolinas. You know people are going to be coming up from Columbia, even from Charleston, I'm sure. Southbound and Crown will no doubt represent. And this is Carolina's team. You know, we're the Charlotte Football Club, but I think the team is at least trying. I don't want to say if they've done a good or a bad job, but they're at least trying and making – steps towards building a, a club for all of Carolina, and that's pretty cool. So it's going to be insane. I'm going to be in Section 342. So if you're hanging out in Section 342 or want to come say hi, would be great. It would be great to meet somebody yeah. hanging out at the club. That's my wife and I, Rachel. That's that's our section. We're going to be going to games together this season. What a, what an awesome opportunity for us to just spend – and some fun times together. Right, exactly. What, yeah. a, what a beautiful moment in the yeah. history of your guys' you know, uh, time. Our marriage, considering we are married. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going even bigger. But, uh, yeah, and just, you know, I'll put it out there. I've, I've got two tickets in the supporter section, and uh, a lot of times that ticket's going to be up for grabs. So, you know, people hit me up. Uh, if you want to go to a game with me, <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, yes, come, it's come our first on. giveaway on the pod. Yeah, yeah Go exactly. to a match with Danny Brams. Yeah, like, exactly. legitimately. Hit him up on Twitter, yeah. at Danny Brams. We told you before the break we were going to talk about some player ratings, some tactical formation uh, criticisms that we had, what we'd like to see. But we should start out with the positive, right? There's a big, huge, huge bit of news today. Just in, Carol Swiderski is back. He's in Charlotte. We can presume he's going to be starting on Saturday night. Yes. And uh, it's excellent because even though we had a little more attacking punch than some might have expected in D.C., we're really going to be able to find our final form with uh, the addition of our designated player, striker, you know, number nine uh, guy that we expect to hopefully bag 20 goals this year. Uh, it's going to change things. It's going to change the formation. We played, you know, pretty much a 4-5-1, or excuse me, a 5-4-1 uh, against D.C. with the wingbacks and T.T. up top just trying to make things happen. But he's not a striker. He, he doesn't have the game of a striker. He, he did score a headed goal in traffic, which maybe proves me wrong. He went so hard, though. He went as hard as he could be, yeah, for sure. And I'm proud of him for that, honestly. Like, he was probably put in a position that he won't be playing every match. Right. And he said, I'm going to give it everything I got anyway. Because Miguel knew he could trust him in that role, because Miguel knows him. But uh, now he's going to be able to transition back to his more natural role, which is the center attacking midfielder playmaker, trying to find ways to get service, whether it's through him or, or someone else that he sets up to Carroll, who, you know, I I hope, I just can't wait to see this guy score a goal, and I really hope it's Saturday night. So, before Saturday, we've got to consider how people played on this past Saturday, match week one. There were some and highs whether, and lows. And whether they'll fit into that next lineup. Later in the week when we're back on the pod, we'll give you our projected 11. But for today, what we're going to do is just go through a couple different positions and talk about exactly how we felt about their performance. I'd like to start with Mackenzie Gaines because he's somebody that was pretty new to the club, sure. not a lot of practice time. First pick in the supplemental draft. Correct. And he got the start. 
He was on the wing. He showed off some fancy feet. Sure. Like there's as far as like flash is concerned, he was the flashiest player that we had on the pitch. He had some positive impacts down the wing, pretty, but he wasn't always reliable in that spot. I would say. Was there anybody reliable in the final third? Uh, fair enough. <laughs> Aside from TT. <laughs> Uh, well, Adam Armour, maybe we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, Gaines, you know, probably gave us about what I expected. That's about what I expected from McKenzie Gaines. Uh, Was it enough? Well, we didn't win, so I don't know if it's enough. But I do think there's a place for him in a potential future starting lineup. I just think when we shift to a different formation, we're more likely to have two strikers and not playing Gaines on the wing. We'll see. So you, you mentioned the, the keyword wing. Mm-hmm. We've talked about for weeks. This team has no wingers. This team has no wingers. There's nobody to play on the wing. Right. He played on the wing. Sure. Can that be a permanent position for him? Did he do enough? I, I, I feel like he was lacking when it came to runs into the box. Right. Curlers into the area. It right. was more just like of a possession game for him right. on the wing. And that could have been that could have been game plan. That you know, that could have been coaching telling telling all the players to make sure you keep the ball above all else. Yeah, we did a good job of that, so it wouldn't surprise me. But Gaines also is known for his speed. I know we presume he's healthy because he played, but he was, when we went to the open practice, you know, two weeks before, you know, what, a month ago or so now, he didn't participate in that because he was still working back from injury. So, I mean, he's not, you could maybe figure he's not a 100% healthy. There's a chance he, he might gain even more speed as he gets really into match fitness and seasonal fitness. And, you know, speed on the wing is always a good thing. It's always a plus. So I, I, I think he has what it takes. He was looking to make crosses. We didn't ever see, ever see any really great ones necessarily. But uh, I don't know. I think he's more of an impact sub. I think he's the type of guy you could put in when you're down and you need a goal. And you could put him at striker, even though he's not a natural striker, that type of thing. So we'll see. What about Jordi Reyna on the other side of the pitch? On the left wing, somebody that during the match I've, I felt like you were starting to get frustrated with. I'm always down on Reyna. He's going to have to prove me wrong. I mean, this guy's going to have to create some goals, whether scoring himself or setting people up t- to really win my eye back. Because I just I've seen the guy play for Vancouver and for DC in the past, and I just I think he's kind of you know a poacher and and but he's more of a walking yellow card. He loves you know he fouls a lot. He started fights in Charleston. You know I just. I would love to see Reyna also as an impact sub going to the bench. So uh, we'll see. I, I could be proven wrong about that. I'd be happy to be proven wrong. Let's move into the midfield now. Alan Franco and T.T. Ortiz. I consider a midfield player. Even sure. though he was playing right. at the striking position. No doubt. At the striker position, I should say. And who, who did – were you surprised when you looked oh. at that starting 11? And there was our boy. Thank you. Another one? Uh, please, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Just make sure. Bronny Bro in the starting lineup. When we saw that, we went, clearly not what we projected if you listen to the show. Right. We thought it would be Ruiz in that spot for sure. But from being 100% honest with you, like as the game went on, I was like, huh, I kind of like what I'm seeing here. He was reliable. He was very reliable. He knows his limitations. He, yeah. He's a good defensive midfielder. Right. He's, he's reading the game. He's played in MLS before. You know, he probably knew a few of the guys on DC United from his time in Chicago. He obviously was fired up to play, you know, being one of our own. And I think 
it was cool to see Bronico and Fuchs get starts in this spot, even though I don't project them as like regular starters for the team all season. Knowing that they are two of the earliest signings of the club and that they played together on the independents and they came in, uh, you know, spent all this time together, it was very cool to see them start and play, you know, significant portions of the, uh, the first match. Fuchs is the player that everyone has talked about after the match, right? And what we're going to try to do on this show is not give you what the 30,000-foot view, pie-in-the-sky TV news broadcast tells you about the match, right? You're going to get Christian Fuchs talking after the match in that interview mm-hmm. on ABC during the game. He's the biggest name. He's Team Dad. He, we love Team Dad. And everybody knows Dad, and everybody loves Dad right. on the squad. He's a Premier League champion. But uh, I'm here to tell you something that maybe no one else has told you. And that is that he's not fast enough to play on the wing. He works in a back five, which was the formation on Saturday night. He works in a back four as a center back tandem. He does not, however, work in a back three. And the reason why is because he doesn't have the pace. He's 35 years old, and he needs to play in the middle. We right. love Team Dad. Right. We're not hating on the guy. Right. And he won He won the English Premier League, one of the biggest titles in the world, as a fullback on the outside, running up, bombing out in crosses. But that's just not his game anymore. That was years and years ago, and he wasn't brought into this role to be to this club to be a winger. And the, and the reason why he could be dynamic on Saturday, the reason why you saw him pushing up the pitch – is because he had four guys to cover his ass. Right. And that right. was the tactical formation. So, moving forward, we didn't have him in our starting 11. We said he was last man out. And he gets the start. I think that where we are as a franchise, he's a must start for Saturday night. I oh, I don't think so. I want to go back to the four-man back line now that we got Swiderski, for sure. I want to see... Well, then put him as a center back then. No, because I thought McCoon and Guzman were too good. I think those guys have to be our top two, personally. Guzman Carujo was our defensive stopper. He was the guy that was shutting things down in the box. Uh, Christian McCoon, I think, is a little younger and takes a few more risks in a center back position. I don't think he's as reliable, but he's also a little bit more... Uh, turn the possession around and start an attack out of defense oriented than uh, Kuruho for me. I think that works well together as a pair. And I'm just always going to lean towards uh, the young guy. I think Kuruho's locked in. You can't take him out. And then you got McCoon and Fuchs. And I would lean with the young guy over the old guy in that scenario. Now, the other thing is you do have to worry about Anton Walks. Anton Walks, excuse me, coming uh, back. We don't know the status of his injury. He was kind of a late scratch from training last week and wasn't going to be available for this one. And so, but you put him in the mix, and that makes it even harder for Fuchs to get on the pitch for me. I, I think Fuchs, he may start. You may end up being right in terms of being the first home match because of him being the name and all that. But I don't see him as a starter for this team for more than 80% of the games or anything like that. We're going to get into that later this week. I don't want to go toe-to-toe with you right now as to, to why I think Let's that he, do it, he will be Let's in battle. the battle. No, we, can, we can do that later this week. It's only Monday. Um, I'm not ready to 
go toe-to-toe with you about what the starting 11 should be just yet. Um, So, I might just be a shameless McCoon homer. That's possible. I just do love Christian McCoon. I think his game is great, so we'll see. What about Franco? You yeah. haven't you haven't had the opportunity to talk about maybe yeah. one of the there, your, there's your no might about that. I am a shameless Alan Franco <laughs> homer. Yeah, I, I'm the uh, queen bee of the Alan Franco hive for sure. Like, I think he's uh, our most important midfielder right now. Obviously, we're expecting TT to be creating goals, but uh, we have to be able we we want to have a team that has a good offense, but we have to be able to prevent goals also. And Franco is the guy that sort of fit, transitions into both those roles with his box to box stuff. In the first half against D.C., I mean, he owned the ball. He was winning every ball back. He was keeping possession. He was the guy that the fullbacks would kick it to him in the middle, then he'd outlet it back out to the wing skillfully and things like that. I mean, he he caught my eye. He was someone that I was like, so excited to watch, and I was like, as I was watching, I was like, this is everything I expected. This is so good. This guy's killing it. Now, in the second half, I think the Miguel kind of changed the tactics a little bit and told the guys to – not necessarily play the same way they were in the first half. And I think that he didn't find himself on the ball as much. He still made an impact. He's still the guy that's setting up defensive lines and things like that and making sure everyone's on point. You know, I, I know he's a lone player. Uh, I would love to see him be the captain of the club, personally, but I, I don't think that's ever going to happen to a player that's not officially signed, so we'll see. Um, share, share some insight into that. When is he going to be officially signed? Is there a buy option for the club? It is a, There is an option to buy. I assume... Knowing his relationship with Miguel, I assume he's going to be a permanent player uh, right. for the club at some point, unless some kind of injury happens or bad form or, or something like that. Shit, I'd buy he's him a, right now. He's a new dad. You know, one, one of the things I do is I scout players by following their Instagram feeds, and so I know, you know, he's a, a new dad, a new new dad, and a new husband. So, uh, you know, congrats to him on both those fronts. And, you know, I like to see uh, things coming through. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know what's number three on exactly. that list? The goal. A great, Goal's yeah, coming. Exactly. Well, he created the assist, obviously. To he cross, did. I didn't even. I buried the lead in terms of mentioning that the little chip in that he sent Ooh. to Titi was oh. incredible. And you know, obviously, you That's wish how you do it. there was no offside. But when we watched, like, we knew that was pro- potentially going to be a goal at, before the header even came on because, like, that we were in this perfect spot to see that chip just go up. It was. A, it was a beautiful feeling and. And that was just such a sweet passage of play by Charlotte. I know we can do that with guys like Franco in the middle. He's one of our most important players easily. One of my favorite things to talk about when it comes to service into the box is the idea of corner kicks, in-swingers from wide, out-swingers from wide, balls with a lot of pace that can get onto somebody's head and get into the back of the net. What you saw from Franco and his service into the box from Ortiz is the next level of service, right? It's the, okay, I'm not outside of the 18-yard box. Yeah. I'm right on the edge here. He's right on the edge of the but box. But I still have to find a way to get this ball up high mm-hmm. with a little bit of enough pace yep. so that somebody can come on it and get it past the keeper. Yeah. That is what you call class personified yeah. when it comes to soccer. The ability to do what he did, and I promise you, that he can do it with both feet. He was on the left-hand side mm-hmm. and brought it in with the left foot. Sure. He, it wasn't left foot or right foot. It might have been right foot. He, he was everywhere. He, I mean, he was moving Either left way, right. whether yeah. it was his left foot or right foot, I don't care. My point is, is that he could have done it with both. <laughs> right, 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 right. And there was a lot of players out there that He's I thought were favoring one side more than the other. Right. And he, you have to, at, in a professional league, you have to be confident with two feet. 
especially when you're giving service. Yep. Which leads me to the next discussion. The fullbacks. Right. No service. None. From either one. Right. They were That's a huge problem. Yeah. I mean Lindsay was a lot of uh, lot of activity and not a lot of production. Is I, that I was I was six beer I was six beers in. And one step ahead of Jalen Lindsay yeah, on the field. Yeah, Let me just yeah, tell you that, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm begging you. Him. I'm like, go, go, go! Like he had so much space yeah, on the right hands. Kick it up, yes, kick it go. up. And, yeah. and he ultimately he would get there. To take his time. But he was yeah. just a step behind what I was like seeing. Three there. seconds late, and that three seconds can make all the difference. You know, right. it's crazy. So yeah. there's no service there. And on the other yeah. side, Joseph Mora. Right. We, we you talked turned about to me at one point during the match. You turned to me and said, "The only reason this guy's even on the pitch is because he's left-footed." And you know, that opened my eyes. I was like, okay. That's why he's out there, because he can serve up those left-footed crosses. But I, I was so disappointed in his performance. I really was. He, he's a former D.C. United player who they left exposed in the uh, supplemental expansion draft and said, oh, take him if you want him, Charlotte. And we took him, and we made him a starter, and he's going for a revenge game against his former club that kicked him to the curb. And he had no heart, and he uh, headed the ball back into the box to surrender a goal in the 49th minute. And he uh, was subbed off early and walked off the pitch, didn't acknowledge any of the D.C. United fans who he had played in front of last season. And just overall, just a really bad low-energy performance when contrasted with the sub who came in for him for the last few minutes of the game, who's one of your favorite players on the club. The 19-year-old Adam Armour. One of our own here from the state of North Carolina. And he offers something completely different than Mora does, which is the ability to just get up and down as fast as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can count on him to track back. You can count on him to make a, a run into the box. Mm-hmm. He's so active. And this is something that we're going to be talking about for a while because I do think that there's a good chance that the same situation unfolds on Saturday night. Armora gets the start. Armor comes in. Right. But I think that the one thing, we haven't talked about MAR very much on the show, so I think it would be a good place to finish with him, is that, like, the substitution was just a little late. Right. When you're for, down 2-0, you should bring him in before you fall down yes. 3-0. Mar- yeah. Moore is out at that point. Right. Like, yep. you're not playing for pride. Right. Like, I'd rather lose 4-0 and bring on someone who gives me pace mm-hmm. and the ability to get into the box. I don't than... know if Morris sent one single cross into the box. I could double-check the stats, but I know Adam Armour got one of our very few shots on goal right towards the end in his limited time. He was up chasing. He was making runs in the box. And Ben Bender, Chris Haggard were out there. The youth, I've bashed Haggard on this pod before, but he was actually pretty decent in his little turn. Ben Bender had a ton of energy playing in front of the local crowd in Maryland. And the youth was the future for me. I, I love to see it. And like you said, I just wish they would have been on 10 minutes earlier, if not 15. Especially down 3 now. Right. Last 30 minutes, give the youth a run. And I think there was probably some hesitation from MAR in that, like, this is the first match. Right. You it's want already, to rely on It's already 3-0. Nil, yeah. So let's not lose 5-0. Right. Let's get it to the 80th and then maybe steal a goal or just keep it at 3, which, which would be fine. But... Um, if, if you have to think about the youth on this squad like, like you've done, I just don't know. Even though we like these players, right, the trust is just not going to be there f- 
from MMA. Right. We're, like, we're fans, like, and Miguel's a coach. Imagine that I, I, ha- that. Imagine that I am playing Texas Hold'em right now, right? Mm-hmm. And the flop just came out. And I, here's what I'm doing. I'm showing you that I have nine ace suited. Okay. That's what MIR has done. Okay, he showed his hand. He's art, like, and that's the beautiful thing about being a soccer manager, talking about management, is that you can't hide. You pick the players, mm-hmm. you pick the formation, and you reveal your trust. Right, and your priorities. He is hyper aware of the fact that he has young players. But to rely on them to mm-hmm. play Miguel Ball for right. 90 minutes? Right now we're screwed. <laughs> Correct. He needs that experience. And, and I think that's where we, where we finish this pod. Is we talk about the goal of playing out of the back. It, it looked bad at times on Saturday. It looked, it looked dicey. And there were times when Christian Kalina was yelling at his back line like, what are you guys doing? Like, like there, he, was like, uh, he was flapping his arms at times. after He would make a pass. And then, uh, depending on who he passed, there was multiple people that did this. They just kind of sat on the ball. Quicker. And didn't move Quicker. it. Quicker. Move it on Two again. touch. One yeah, touch. Exactly. Quick, quick, quick. When, when Kalina kicks a short pass up to a center back, quick. they're not supposed to possess Go. it. They're supposed to one touch it, either up the wing or over to the, the fullback. I'm fine with two touch passing out of the back. But once it gets to three, I'm like, what the hell <laughs> yeah. is going on? And Kalina was pissed a few times. He was mad, for sure. He Who, was, by the way, didn't have a bad game. No, not at all. He had some stops. He had some diving saves. The PK, yeah, he dove the wrong way, but right. it was it was exactly like McCoon's run up in the in the preseason. If you're if you're classy enough from the spot to get the keeper to move first, you can you can slot it home. So uh, unlucky on the deflection, and then the uh, Ala Kamara ridiculous third goal was just a pinball machine in the box. I was so funny when we were walking out of Audi Field, and some DC fan goes, "Well played, Charlotte," and I just I just like shut him down. I said, "Yeah, nice own goal, nice pinball machine goal," and he was like, "Oh," what? and I just walked away. It was pretty funny, but. Oh man, I, uh, we can get into this more on the show later this week, but I'm just curious about what the away contingent will look like for LA Galaxy on oh. Saturday. Uh, I got one description: invisible. They won't be here. <laughs> LA, uh, you, they don't even go to their own games. You think they're going to fly all the way across the country? I don't think so. There, what there will be is there will be local Chicharito fans who show up and wear Galaxy gear. That's what we'll see. So, Which I can't blame because Chicharito's off. Well, of course, yeah. In fact, I um, actually, I've got a Chicharito story that I'll share on the on the next pod. Can't um, wait. Saw him play for West Ham at the London Stadium, came on as a super sub, and won the match. Pretty legit. That's like, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's dangerous. <laughs> and, that, and that's, by the way, who we're going up against on yeah, Saturday night. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody on our squad that has right. any uh, – Premier League experience winning matches in the front. Of course, we've got Fuchs. Yeah, yeah. Right? But yeah. he's not Jamie Vardy, okay? I promise you that. Yeah, we could have had Overton, but, yeah. 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 So, I'm John Hayes. Remember, follow me on, at John Hayes on air, on Twitter. Follow at Danny Brands as well. We will be back later this week for a full preview of Saturday's match against LA Galaxy. We'll talk to some people around the area. We'll tell you where to tailgate. We'll tell you where the supporters group will be hanging out, what time the march starts to the stadium. We'll give you all the information that you need to know, and we'll give you our projected starting 11. We'll give you our predictions as well. And we'll take a look at the rest of the MLS. Where does Charlotte FC fit into the Eastern Conference? Our prediction was 10 to 12 in the Eastern Conference table, and 
Right now, that's kind of where they sit. I see, I see no reason to revise that. Cincinnati's as bad as I thought. They lost five now. So, there's so much more to talk about. The season's officially here. It's super exciting. And for everything that you need to know about Charlotte Football Club, all you need to do is come to the Charlotte Soccer Show. And by the way, as we're sitting here in Elizabeth today, when the independence season starts, you can... I, Rams and I are going to go to some of Independence course, yeah, games. Yeah, we and not, the reason why yeah. we're going to go to Independence games is we're going to point out people on the pitch that could take over for some of these guys <laughs> right, on right. Charlotte FC. As long as we have a uh, non-full roster, the Independence guys are all fair game to come up, yeah, for sure. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. We'll talk to you soon. For the crown, baby.